0: Hi everyone, Dave here. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Legends of the Spire. Uh, On the podcast this week, we've got Noza, Steve Norris. Uh, He's one of the most requested people uh, I've had uh, on the podcast since um, I started recording it earlier this year. So it was great that he said yes to come on and talk about his time at Chesterfield. Um, He's a prolific natural goal scorer, um, had amazing spells at Scarborough and Halifax before uh, joining us at Chesterfield in 1992. And he's probably most well known for that 4-4 draw at anfield where he bagged a couple of goals uh, in that amazing game so it was good to speak to him about that uh, we also had a chat about managers uh, in particular john duncan who we had a bit of a fractious relationship with um, and it was good to get his opinions on just goal scoring and football in general so it was good to speak to him as always we're at spy legends on twitter and if you search legends of the Spire on facebook we've also got a page on there uh, so it'd be good to hear from you uh, you can also comment on our YouTube videos and please do subscribe as well. Uh, we're Legends of the Spire on YouTube. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. Here is Nozer Steve Norris. Legends of the Spire Great, well, thanks for coming on. Uh, no problem. Like I said, you're one of the people that's been requested most. From the supporters, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so, so you obviously gave them some happy memories over the years. So that, that's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. See, there weren't many who disliked the way I played, so that was a good thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so if I usually I just spend a couple of minutes just talking about kind of life before Chesterfield, just so they get a bit of context uh, before you, you sign for us. So, are you actually from from Coventry? Is that right? That yeah.
1: yeah, I was born there. 22nd of September 1961, which is obviously the night we played Anfield, the 4-4, it was on my birthday, so uh, that always rings true. Um, yeah, I lived there till I was 20, once uh, I moved to Scarborough, I was 27, yeah, just 27, I moved to Scarborough, and then I was there for four years, I moved here in 92, but in that meantime, I went to... Carlisle and Halifax in the, in the meantime, because obviously the house market had dropped then and we couldn't sell the house. So, yeah. And um, then I stayed here because uh, uh, my kids are here and you're nice people, but you speak funny. But other than that, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> One out of two is not bad. <laughs> so, who were you supporting when you were growing up? first. <laughs> yeah. still now, my granddad on this side, <laughs> grandson this one is, so uh, yeah, I followed them all, all through my life. Um, luckily, uh, when I won my golden boot, Jimmy Greaves was, uh, he presented me my golden boot, which he was my first hero at Tottenham, so that was a great thrill, um, and that day I met Stanley Matthews, Tom Finney, uh, Nat Lofthouse, George Best, Alan Smith, Teddy Sheringham. So yeah, it was a bit surreal, really. But yeah, lovely.
0: So who was your uh, who was your idol then? Who were you modelling yourself on as you were starting Jim
1: to play? Reeves, to be fair, um, he was. Uh, I used to just take people on, beat players and beat goalkeepers, sitting down and roll them in, same as he did. Um, and then I had a spell. Well, I still. Glenn Noble was still God for me. Um, He were awesome. Um, And I I used to play midfield before I went back up front later on. Um, But he was a different quality. He was world class. Um, But so was Jimmy Greaves. So you can't uh, you know, pick out of them two. They're both brilliant, brilliant players. Awesome. Yeah. And were you
0: you always the goal scorer, even when you were a kid? I was
1: when I was a kid. And then... um, I like Doddle that much. I try to play in the midfield and I can pick, pick a pass and all that. But then people kept saying to me, I got caught a couple of times, got injured. And um, someone said, Oh, well, why don't you, you know, you're quick and that. Instead of beating three or four from the halfway line and scoring, said, why don't you just have to, you only have to beat one and then knock it in. So I went back up front through an injury and I finished up with 27 goals in about 34 games for a long book beat. Uh, we won the league and won the cup. And then we are, and then in the summer, Jimmy Knox came in for me at VS Rugby, which is, um, well, he was brothers with uh, Archie Knox, who was at Man United with Alex Ferguson. Um, and I went there and I scored, I think it was 80, 88 or 89 goals in about 126 games, I think it was. And they all come after me then. There was Lincoln, Coventry, uh, Birmingham. Um, there were loads. Of, and then we played Bristol City in the FA Cup first round proper. And we'd gone through five rounds before you get to that one. Um, and then we played them and David Moyes marked me, you know, obviously he's at West Ham now. And uh, we drew to all at our place and lost down there. And after the game, he came up to me in the bar and spun me around. He goes, that's what you look like. I've been chasing the back of your head for two games. <laughs> um, so... The following week, uh, the gaffer, Jimmy Knox, asked me if I'd go, would I like to go on trial to Bristol City? Well, the year before, we played at Orient Frank Clough. Frank Clark used to be at Forest with Cloughy. Um, uh, he tried to sign me, but the manager at the time said I wouldn't like London. But all my family's from London, so from Tottenham. So anyway, that didn't happen. And then I said, well, if I go, you know, I want to be, you know, hopefully I'll get the move. So um, I went down at a week's trial. They had me in on the Friday at Bristol, and Terry Cooper's manager, actually, left back for England, and Clive Middlemass. So I went, I went in, and they said, "Right, we'll that will give you." I don't know I was about three hundred and twenty quid a week or something, um, and they wanted me to sign. So they were going to come back on the. This was the Friday, and I was going to play my last game for V.S. Rugby in a in a a cup game that had been dragged over from the following season against Willingall. Um, I think we won six and I scored three or four or something and we won't beat them. And I was supposed to meet him before the game. So I came with my dad. Um, when we walked in, managers right at the end of the club and my dad went, I don't like this. And uh, he says, oh, they've come all the way up and then they've decided they've changed their mind. They don't want to sign you. So my dad went, this stinks. He says, no one travels 250 miles to come and tell you. He didn't pick a phone up. So then I fell out with a club. Um, I weren't going to play for them. And it was, it was pre-season sort of thing. <clears throat> and so I was training on my own. And then I didn't go. And then uh, we played somebody else. And Stan Stortons after, after the game from Telford. And he says, do you still want to go higher? I says, yeah. I didn't really want to go to bloody non-league again. But anyway, I ended up signing for Stan Storton, And I told him, I said, if I come, I'll come on one condition that if anyone comes in for me, I want to know about it. You know, I want to go. I want to play in the league. So he goes, yeah, I'll put you on the top money. No one else is on that type of money. £100 a week. And I think I got a few grand signing on. So anyway, I... Side so found out I was the lowest paid at Telford, everyone was on 200, 250, 300 quid. There's a few <laughs> England semi pro players, so I went there and I ended up winning a golden boot. I ended up with 34 goals in 39 games, something like that. I don't, can't remember really off the top of my head. Anyway, I've got a golden, well, a plaque sort of thing, not a golden boot like the one I've got. And um, yeah, I went there and we played. Uh, Stockport and Asa Hartford after the two games he tried to sign us but they couldn't afford the money um, and then as that season progressed well no, it was near the end of the season we went to Wembley took us all the way to Wembley scored in every round and um, after the game I got a phone call from a guy who was chief scout at Sheffield Wednesday under our Wilkinson so this was a Sunday after the Saturday or it was a Monday still a bit over, uh, hung over. And um, the phone went and this bloke goes, oh, I'm such and such from uh, Sheffield Wednesday. And I started talking to him uh, and he'd ring me up and just speak to me. And, uh, and then I got a phone call at work with me because I work for my dad. And uh, he says, oh, the guy from Sheffield Wednesday's on. So I says, oh, hello, Bob or whoever he was. And uh, he says, no, it's Mr. Wilkinson like that. And I went, oh shit. <laughs> um, so uh, he, uh, I spoke to him and he says, well, we, we want to sign you. I haven't seen you, but I've had great reports. He says, but if we're going to, we can't just sign you. We need to sign someone, no disrespect, but a big name and then bring you in under the radar sort of thing. So I went, all right. Well, Neil Warlicks, I know he'd been after us for a while. Anyway, he came in, but they'd offered... 50 grand up front, then another 50 after 20 games, another 50 after 40 games. And I ended up uh, going to Scarborough. Neil Ward was coming off with 50 grand. But he got a good relationship with Stan Staughton, I think, at the time. And uh, so anyway, I ended up going to Scarborough, which 50 grand, which was a record at the time, and no one had ever spent that money on a player. Uh, it only lasted a week. Robbie Codner went to Brighton the following week, for about 170, I think he was. Um, but yeah, so I went there and I scored. I think it was eight in the first nine games. We beat Portsmouth in the Coca-Cola or Littlewoods, whatever it was back then. Um, then we played Southampton. We drew at our place. Um, I scored against Peter Shilton in that one. And, and Matt I was only 19. He played. He looked a different level. He did. Um, and so we played down there and we got beat, I think it was 1-0. We missed a great opportunity, Mitch, Mitch Cook put it over the bar. from I, I went through beat a couple of defenders and crossed it, and middle of the goal, he should have just, if it had it down, it was in. He put it over the bar, but anyway, Paul Rideout scored for them, uh, made it 1-0, and we got beat.
2: Uh, again, controls the ball well, tries to turn, feed Connor, and couldn't. Good Could defending by Scarborough. Oh, and cooked does supremely well. And oh, has put Norris away. Is this the chance? He's beaten one man. Is this it?
1: Yes! That's
2: 1-0 on the night and Steve Norris. What a super goal after 35 minutes.
1: But then, obviously, I, I was at scar. I'd done my knee. Uh, I'd been playing with an injury for a while. Um, I'd done my knee, and then uh, I got the operation on the 23rd of December. i come out on Christmas Eve, I think it was. Um, I came home and I was out injured for a good while and it Scarborough they didn't have no rehabilitation or you know they should have gone to Lilleshore really but they didn't and I was training and then I, I come back too early and it was fluid pee, pissing out my knee and it were it was a nightmare so that didn't help and then uh, I think then the end of the season I didn't play and then I did all pre-season on my own trying to get my knee right um, and then I came back and uh, Clyde Middlemass had come in for me for Carlisle, and they they'd offered sixty five grand, I think it was. So I went there, and then I only started and finished probably five games out of about twenty, um, and then um, I was going
0: to say because looking at your like goal scoring stats throughout your career, it's it's
1: it's brilliant everywhere. But then you look at Carlisle and yeah, <laughs> you no, can't think, oh, like, what, no, like five I goals, did, uh, something started and finished five games. And if you put together most of the others, it come up to about two games, I think, in total. Um, but I think it was the end of that season. It was uh, what was it, ninety ninety? I think it was eighty nine ninety. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he um, he said, "Look, you know, you can't get sold. Your house can't get sold." And I was travelling. It was one hundred and sixty seven mile, one hundred seventy six mile a day to go training and back, you know, both ways. So. I ended up, he says, oh, look, you know, um, we'll see if we can get you a move. So I said, all right then. So anyway, uh, start the season, come, I weren't playing. And then he said, oh, I've got uh, Jim McCallion is coming to watch and We were playing Berry on a Tuesday night at Berry and it was lashing down with rain. It was horrible. And anyway, we played, I don't know what the score was. And he'd come to meet me and he says, do you fancy going for, to a pub and have a drink? So I said, yeah, all right then. So I went and had a drink and he said, look, I just want you to come, score goals, don't worry about the defending side. You know, if they shout, you just put your hand up and go, sorry, like that. He says, but just get free kicks, penalty and score goals. So I went and they hadn't scored for eight games, I think it was. This was the ninth game. We played Scunthorpe and we drew. uh, And then the following game was Carlisle away. And we went there and we won three in the last score. Billy Barr got the first one. And then from there on, I was just scoring a goal, two goals, goal, whatever. And I ended up with 30 goals out of 39 games. Yeah, um, well, I got—I'd scored two at Carlisle before that. What was uh, the
0: uh, what was the celebration like at Carlisle? You weren't tempted to
1: knee slide in front of the bench, oh, right? No, <laughs> no, well, not with my knees. No, but um, <laughs> it was—I uh, got so much abuse off the of the Carlisle fans. They were horrible when it was there. Uh, they were nasty, you were know, going down the tunnel, was spitting on you, throwing things. That was like when you were playing for them, you know. It was, and obviously, and then I think I went back a couple of times with Chesterfield and dummy to shoot cutting side. I bent in the top corner, I ran to their fans and like that i oh, I got death threats. I got letters sent me. Oh God, you should see, unbelievable.
0: And, yeah. and when you were at Halifax, you had Satan and Greavesy come up, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. still on there, uh, still on YouTube, yeah. I think.
1: Yeah, it is. I only watched it the other day. Someone uh who was it asking me? Someone asked me and Sarah said, Oh, put on um put on your Satan Greavesy to show me gold. Um and then obviously the Liverpool goals are on there as well. Uh but yeah, but and obviously the, when I did that, it was the following two weeks after that, I think it was, or three weeks after that, that I I got presented by Jimmy Greaves. So um that were good because we all stood round at the NEC and there was Nat Loftus, Sally Matthews, Tom Finney, there was Alan Smith from Arsenal, Teddy Sheridan, Luther Blissett, Tommy Coyne from Scotland and me and I'm thinking and then Jimmy walks in and everyone turns around shake his hand, he pushes everyone out of the way and puts his hand out, he goes you got your move yet son and I went no Jim like that he goes anyway we're talking so when he presents the golden boots, does Alan Smith first, then Teddy show and Bruce and Blissett. And then he gets to me, because you won't heard of this lad. He's played for Halifax Town. He scored all these goals and he showed him a big bank of tellies. They're about 20 by 10 or something like that. All these tellies. Showed all the goals. And he says, they should give their boots to him for what he's achieved at Halifax. You know, your chest was bats and out your chest. Um, my art was, sorry. And uh, it, 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 it were amazing, to be fair, to meet him. Um, and then what? was it two, four years ago now, not long after he had his stroke, I was working um, for Asda down in um, Dagman and I knew his address where he was and I, I knocked on the door and went round and spoke to his wife and I went in and had a couple of minutes with him. He didn't look well, to be fair, but um, it was just nice. And she goes, oh, he remembers you, Steve. He got a bit of a smirk on his face. So, um, But I think he's in a real bad way at the moment. He's, uh, he's not good, but I suppose he's had a good innings, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, and, and you did, you scored loads of goals, didn't you, that season? What was it like, 35, was it? I
1: think it was 30, I think it was 30, I'd scored two for Carlisle, and then I was think it was, I think it was 32, 32 in 39 games, I think it worked out, yeah. Um, and then I had a following season, and they changed the manager, they brought in bloody John McGrath, who was a nut job, um, he came in, uh, and I think I ended up finishing... I think they finished with 44 goals in 60 games the time I left to come
0: to town. Present Ian Rush, you might think, or perhaps Steve Bull. Maybe it's Teddy Sherringham of Millwall. Well, it's none of those top strikers. In fact, it's a chap from the low reaches of Division 4, and Mark Tyler has been to meet him.
1: To see the country's leading goalscorer in sharpshooting form last weekend, you'd have had to have been at Scunthorpe's Glanford Park, hardly the most glamorous location to view one of the lower division's hottest properties, but compared to home, it must have felt like Wembley. Norris first hit the
2: headlines when he won the penalty that gave Scarborough that famous Littlewoods cut win over Chelsea last season. And for
1: Halifax, he's proved the perfect remedy for the club's early season goal famine. So why is he doing so well? I expressly told him that I wanted him uh, getting forward and looking for goals and to forget a little bit about the defensive side of things. And uh, he certainly produced the goods. And in my opinion, I think he's the best striker in third or fourth division at the moment. Uh, what's interesting uh, about it is that, that before Halifax signed him, which was eight games into the season, they hadn't scored a goal. <laughs> and here he has scored not, 30 goals. And I like the way he takes them in. Oh, yeah, takes the yeah, keepers on yeah. and beats them. You keep
0: going, <laughs> Steve. That's the way, mate. Done well, the boy. So when you signed for Chesterfield, it was um, Chris McMenemy, wasn't it, that was yeah. manager at the time? So, And I've not really spoken to anyone about about him as a as a manager I've kind of I've spoken to a few other players about about different managers um, throughout the time so what was what was he like
1: real, nice fella he was younger than me um, I think mean, he was only 29 he was Chris real nice guy I, I can't, I'm in contact with him now on Facebook because he lives out in Spain um, but yeah real nice guy put on great sessions for shooting and that great five asides we used to do and all that um, he was excellent Man, management was not too bad um, but, you know, and you put that against John Duncan who was the most negative and he was a hero of mine at Spurs. You know, he scored like one in two for Tottenham for Scotland. Great football. He played with Oddle and Ardiles and veer and all that. But his sessions were the same every day. Boring. He never did hardly any shooting, it? And we used to go out you know, for games You would pat him on the back go, defend, 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 get to me, get us a goal. And then we were playing, I think it was Gillingham, I think it was, and uh, the ball came I'm um, um, on the right and well, yeah, the left-hand size keeps kicking up to us. And as it comes up, it's gone in, in, into the like, middle of the goal, middle of the of the air of the of the pitch. Kevin Davies is only 16, 17, and the ball's coming through. Kev's jumped up, and I'm 20 yards away from him. So then it's got knocked down, someone's missed tackled, another tackle, it's gone through, and they've scored. So when we have the inquest into it, I get the blame for the goal. And I says, how come? He says, well, you should have run 20 yards and won the header, you know, and then I said, yeah, but what about, he missed a tackle and he couldn't get there and he missed a tackle and all that. Yeah, but it all started from you. This is what I got every game. So, he just had a thing about me because everyone say, oh, he's like similar to you, you know, he was classed as not working hard, but scoring the goals. Um, but yeah, that did you get that inkling from him straight away
0: then when he? When yeah, he, when Chris Martin. As
1: soon as he know he were coming, Chris Martin says, "That's you done." He says he, he won't like you. Um, and at first, he thought I oh, would. We, oh, I would super because we played Derby in the Derbyshire Senior Cup, um, and Craig Short, I used to be at Scarborough with, and Darren Wattle. Uh, who was a forest. <laughs> Uh, they were playing. i will give him a run around. We ended up getting beat. I think seven-two. I think I scored one or two goals. I think I don't can't remember as facts. But um, and after that, he couldn't believe how I, you know, I could take him under the ball, take him beyond, and come back, have it to feed. Uh, and he thought it was great. But then within, I don't know. I started off the season. I think I got seven or eight man of the matches in a row. Um, and then the winter come, and then because I'm not, I'm not on a dry surface, and then, you know, centre-half can slide and tackle and all that. But then come the end of the season, I think no one had even got close to me. They've only got about two or three matches, and then coming near the end of the season. But he kept leaving me out because he didn't want me to win the award. And it was the same with the Golden Boot that season. I was, I think I had another chance of winning it with uh, town, with and I was level or I was one ahead or one behind somebody at the time. I think it was Spike Carter at uh, Berry, and then he let he didn't play me because he didn't want me to win it because then it would have gone against him, you know. And I, I just couldn't. I just thought, God, he could be that petty, but that's what he was like. I'm afraid. Um, but he was. He was. You know, like I say, I will play golf with him now, and I wish him well. But yeah, going back to Chris McMenemy, though, he, he put on great sessions. Nice fella. Um, we just needed it. We we were probably. Couple of players, maybe short of being a half decent side, to be honest. Um, Daichi was just coming through, like you know, Kev came into the into the realm. But but see, Chris and me had got um, he got Kev coming because so I was on the treatment table through the summer with my knee because I had a knee operation, and uh, he was saying, "Wait, till you hear that, see this kid come, this this um, Kev Davis," and obviously you know he did what he did. He was brilliant. Um, but John got all the plaudits for that, which it weren't him at all. It was it was Chris, but um, yeah, he did all right, the lad. Yeah, and, and obviously the most
0: <laughs> well-known game and the one that you're, you're still dining out on is that four-four. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, like you say, was a nice birthday <laughs> treat. <wasn't it? laughs>
1: well, uh, going going to the game, I remember we were all in hotel at um, just outside Liverpool. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking bloody hell, I wonder how, you know, how many internationals he's gonna get out. So anyway, we get to the ground, we go out onto the pitch and we come back in. And the pitch was like 2,000 pound square yard carpet. It was, you know, your footprint for left in the pit. Oh, it was beautiful. And we came in and um, I remember Mick Leonard getting the team sheet and he went I had a look, and look at He goes, we can beat these, they've only got seven internationals like <laughs> that. So we're all thinking, Jesus. And then obviously I scored, I think it was nine minutes or six minutes into the game, something like that. And I remember Andy Morris nodding it down, beat Mark Wright in the air, and then I just got across to the defender, Nicky Tanner, and I just put my studs on it because Davies James was in front of me like that, <clears throat> and it went in. And I ran past the post with my arms up, and I just looked to the cop, and their mouths were all wide open. I just went ah I'm like that as a as a ran. <laughs> and um, and then there was nothing from our end because obviously the ball from the you know that end you probably couldn't see. And then the next minute, this bloody great roar went up. <clears throat> and I remember running back and Andy Morris coming to me, and goes, I bloody couldn't believe that you'd do it. You'd score here. So and all I kept thinking was, I'd love to score in front of the cop, you know, with my family being there, my mum and my dad. <clears throat> and then second half, uh, they come back to 3-2. And then I bent my run and Cliffy Carl at left back put it over the top. And I remember it bouncing. And I'm running and I've just gone all flying my chest and it's gone up again. I thought, oh, gee. And I could hear <clears throat> coming behind me. I thought, should I hit it or should I drag it inside? So I'm waiting for this board to come down. And I thought, sod it. So I've just gone wallop, left foot. He's got both hands. It's gone through into the back of the net. And I could see Ray Cat, ex-wife. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember going behind the goal and I could see... Um, I could see uh, my mum, my dad, my sisters and all that. And all the fans were going mad and a lot of lads who I see down Brampton now, they'd come jumping on me. And I didn't know them at the time. And uh, I I was like thinking, wow, like that. And as I turn away, all our lads catch me up and they jumping on me. So then once that finished, I turned back and just stood there and just doing that, looking at our fans. So as I turn away, referees caught me up and he's gone, if you do that again, I'm going to book you. I said, if I score an hat trick you can effing send me off. (laughs) I wonder wonder what it was, because I could see on the video you and
0: the rest of you having a word after that goal.
1: Yeah, and I'm (laughs) I'm going, well, what do you expect me to do like that, you know? And he was just laughing and that. um, But I should have scored a trick really, and I had an header that David James on the chest from a free kick, and then from the resulting free kick, he's gone up for the ball, (coughs) and he's got both hands on it, and then I just thought, he's got it. And as I move away to come out he drops it hits me straight on the bloody on me on the ankle and that Cosmar was on the line he kicked it off the bloody line <clears throat> if i'd just been i always i always used to expect the unexpected and there i didn't uh and it, that i should have had a, a tap in for that trick really but um but when we looked at it i watched the game <clears throat> after the game i thought god we played really well I've watched the video back. You know the full game. We, I think we, we had four, four shots on target or six shots, and we scored four. And they battered us really. But at the time, you know, in the euphoria of everything in the game, you just thought it was, um, it, were, uh, it it was a good game, and we thought we, you know, we deserved what we did. But <clears throat> when you when you looked at it, it was uh, they were head and shoulders really. to be Williams again. Rogers
2: looking for Morris, and Morris has made it a chance, and there's Norris, he scored for Chesterfield. Six minutes gone, and Liverpool have been beaten by Chesterfield's first strike on goal. A typical Chesterfield move, in which Rodgers picks out Andy Morris, the big man. He outleaped the England defender, and at close quarters, there was Steve Norris to poke it home. Chesterfield leading here at Anfield, Liverpool nil. Chesterfield won, six minutes gone. That seems to be a handball against Rosenthal. Ever for Chesterfield. Carr first time, and Liverpool looking for offside. It's not given. It's Norris. He's in the clear. 4-2. His second of the night for Chesterfield. Their fourth. He can celebrate. Chesterfield can as well. Almost a goal from nothing. Carr's long ball through. Right. A moment's hesitation, it he looked to the linesman. But Norris was onside when the ball was played. We won't see the incident where it was played through. We will see the moment that he beats David James with a fierce left-footed drive. And Chesterfield extend their lead. Liverpool 2, Chesterfield 4 and chesterfield have performed heroics by being the first team since the 1960s to score four at anfield two to norris two to lancaster their supporters applaud and appreciate them they do the like liverpool scoring four times two through wright rosenthal hutchinson and walters the second leg to come in a couple of weeks time that should be something to look forward to and here at anfield liverpool four Chesterfield four, the two goal scorers in front of you.
0: I think it was the what the first time since the 60s that a team yeah, had scored four.
1: Man yeah, I think Man United was the was the last team to score four there. Um, it was only recent, wasn't it, that someone beaten four? Was it Arsenal score four there a few some years ago? Arsene Wenger got four. I think there's only I think since then there's only been since last, I think there's only been maybe two three teams who've, who've managed to do that. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a brilliant um, a brilliant night, and because we get in the players' bar, and I was trying to get my mum and dad in, and they're going, oh, no, you won't be able to, and then, <clears throat> so I went down and told them, and they said, oh, OK, then, and then we we're all in the players' bar, and then um, we leave and gets in, gets in the bus. We've only gone half a mile out the ground, and there's a massive big boozer on, on an island. All of a sudden, he pulls in. I'm thinking, what are we doing in here like that? <clears throat> so he's, come on, we're we'll going here for a drink. And I'm thinking, I'm I'm at the front with I think Daichi and Mick Leonard. We open these doors, and it's just packed solid with Liverpool fans, and the whole pub just went silent, deathly silent. I thought, oh, we're gonna die here. And <laughs> next minute, they just they just all started applauding. Um, they come in, they bought us all drinks and that. Um, then we left, and we came. Came back here, and I think it was me, Tony Bryan, Lee Francis. We were only locals; all the rest lived away. So we went into town. I think it was Mum Martyr, Mum is it? We went into there, and um, as we walked in, the lights around, around This is, ladies and gentlemen, of Chesterfield Football Club. I think we crawled out there about two o'clock in the morning. The free drinks. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's what I can remember of the night, to be honest.
0: It's it's funny when you get a game like that because it's even now with the the video on YouTube and stuff. It's it's quite a lot of them are Liverpool fans saying, "Oh, mm. they played they played amazing that night." That night, so it's I mean it's, it's it's nice, isn't it, when the when the opposition fans are are giving you a round of applause? You know you've done yeah. something right.
1: They, uh, they, were saying before the game, we hope you beat the, hope you beat us, so you can get rid of get rid of Sooners because they, they hated Sooners apparently the manager. But the fans were, yeah, they were saying they, they they clapped us off um, at the end of the game. Got a great round of applause from them because obviously they're all round by the dugout, um, and our fans were all behind the goal. Because um, I know I think. Uh, there's a lad called uh, Pat Hutchinson he used to be a bit of a, a lad in his day and he got uh, arrested every time I see him he goes you still owe me a drink for getting sent off I feel see he's seen me score around the pitch and he got sent off spent the rest of the game in a cell <laughs> under the ground so every time I see him he always says I owe him a drink but uh, I've been lucky enough he hasn't caught me yet for it <laughs> <laughs> but, Um because uh, uh, we
0: spoke to uh Phil Walker about when when he played at, at Anfield and he was saying how they were kind of told by Arthur Cox not to engage in any conversation with the Liverpool players <laughs> <Isn't it? laughs> uh, because they might try and uh, kind of belittle them or intimidate them a bit. I'll, I wondered if anyone uh, if I didn't uh, throughout the match or anything.
1: No, no. Mark Wright kept getting the ball and he kept uh, knocking it out to Mark Walters and uh, and they kept over it and putting it into the into the stand. So then Paul Lemon, Jack Lemon goes to me. He goes, "Nozza, close him down." He says he keeps pinging the ball out there. So, so he's listening to Mark Wright. did this. I went, "I'd rather let him have the ball the way he's playing." England centre half like that. And he went, "What did you say?" I went, "I'm on £475 a week, mate. How much are you on?" He was on about 10 pounds He just went, "Fair point." <laughs> like that. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, I, he he didn't come back with it. But Andy Morris just smashed him all over. On the day, he was just—he just, he just out jumped him. See that when Andy was on his game, he was unplayable. He—he he just bossed anybody. Beat him in the air. Um, you know, he, he was strong. He could, he could run a bit. Um, you know, when you had someone like that, and then lanky as well. When he got going, he was like a bloody steam train as well. Um, then me being nippy, you know. But we were a good—we weren't a bad uh, three. Three—the three of us up front, we did well. Um, and then obviously when Kev came, there was me, him, and Andy. But I used to say to Duncan, said, "Why don't you play the three of us together?" I said, "Before they know it, we'd be three up, you know, end of the game." Oh no, you open up the floodgates and all that, and then obviously we would fell out, and then he didn't play me, and then as soon as he brought Tony Lormer, he played Andy, Tony, and Kev up front together, and then they scored all, you know, scored the goals. But it, it was a dire football to play in. Um, we, 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 every training session was the same thing. We would go up to um, Place at Temple Normanton on a crappy pitch. And all we'd do is be on the halfway line, booting balls in for Daichi, Darren Carr and, and uh, Nicky Law. And they would kick and volley or head them as far as they could out the bloody ground. We'd do that for, what, 30, 30 minutes. We'd do a warm-up for like 20 minutes. And then they'd do some cones and you had to dribble in and out the cones. And when you come to actually shoot, it was like you were looking at that to try and score you had to have an amazing shot and bend it in the top corner and you'd have one from that side one from that side I said, right come on Kev, get them in the three get him back to ground that was every single day the same thing every single day it, it was it was oh, it was, it was brain destroying. And then uh, then come games if I scored got a goal that was it you all get back behind the ball lock up shot and, and that's it go for a 1-0 instead of going out I'd rather win four three than no. bloody you know one 0 because the fans used to say God it's so boring to watch it's, you know I'm thinking it's supposed to be in the entertainment game here you know they're paying the good money that they, you know they, they work all weekend and they want to see a decent game of football.
0: Yeah, and it's it's funny really because you you played so John Duncan came in what February '93 I think it was mm-hmm. um, and in like the '93 '94 season you played. Most of the games scored like 20 goals or something. Um, so so, did you was it like every match that you you, and all throughout that season that you felt that um, it didn't really really fancy and yeah, everything you could do?
1: No, it didn't matter, don't matter what I did. Um, and then I think we played Carlisle at home and it was nil nil, it was about 25 minutes to go, and the fans were all singing for me to come on and uh, Dave Rushby, physio, he says, get him on. Well, I'm sat there in my me, me tracksuit and mean like sleeping bag thing. I'm sat there and he's going, I ain't backing down to them. I'm not going to you know, bow down to the crowd and all that. He says, look, get him on. So anyway, he says, he goes to me, he goes, do you want to go on? I went, yeah, of course I do. And he goes, right. So I stand up and as I undo it, the zippy thing, the old crowd go mad like that to come on. And he goes, you haven't even warmed up yet. I says, I'm ready, like that. So we had a corner, so it goes in, ball gets cr- crossed up, centre-half goes to Andy Morris, looks like he's gonna head your way. Everyone goes out, Andy flicks it, and I just go, walk in, bang, one-nil. So I score straight away, first touch. Then I set Kev up, and then I and then I, I went through sc- just on my right foot to hit it, cut back inside, and I bent in the top corner, right up to the cop. We win 3-0 in 20 minutes. I get man of the match. So as I'm coming off the pitch, he comes up to me and he puts his hand out and I grab his hand and like push him away. <coughs> and uh, and then when we get the changes, oh you did that for all your fans, did you? And all that. I says, I says, no, I said every time I say I work my bollocks off in training, I said, I score goals, it's still not good enough. So we play Darlington away on the Tuesday. This is the Saturday, on the, yeah, on the Tuesday. I've got man of the match in 20 minutes, scored two goals. Guess what position I'm playing today? So, so I'm sat on the bench. He gets to the 90th minute and he goes, right, you're going on. And I went, what do you expect me to do in there? You know, it this. And we hadn't had a shot on target. We hadn't even gone close. I got the ball, beat two, chip the keeper, come off the bar. Went out. As I'm walking off, he punches me straight in the, in the chest and he goes, you couldn't do it for me today, could you? Like that. And I just went, I'll give up. That's that's what it that's what he's like. But because he was getting his fans were on his back all the time, he used to send the apprentices in to into into the stand and sing his praises to try and get him on his side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to just cringe on stuff. Really, you can't you can't, you know that desperate. But like I say, I've played golf with him many a time since then, and I don't hold it against him. It's just yeah. business. So I just it- wish him well.
0: Is it tough when you're... Because obviously you're the player, he's the manager. Um, you can't really... If you've got stuff that's maybe being said about you or being inferred about you or, or whatever from like the management, is it hard as a player to... Yeah, you, know, not, not,
1: everyone, you can't really go
0: out and, and say your bit, can you really? if, if you're? A,
1: no, because they stop anything going into the press. You know, with the Derbyshire Times or the Sheffield star... If, if you did an interview and they'd they'd want to know what was going in, and if it was anything derogatory against it, it would just not be put in, they were, or because they'd just say to me, if "You put that in, you don't get another interview from us." Simple as. Um, so that happens, but uh, I, you know, I, I used to just bite my tongue. But at the end of the day, I kept trying. You know, he wanted me to work hard. I worked harder in training. Nikki Law, I remember him saying, and I say, "Nazi, you're working so hard in training." I used to do after. I used to train on my own after anyway, and then at night I used to do uh, I used to do 500 sit-ups and 250. or uh, was it? 500 press-ups. Yeah, 500 press-ups, 250 sit-ups. And I used to do sets of tens, twenties, whatever. And I used to do that religiously every night when I put kids to bed and that. And, and so I was always stronger, fitter. And then after training, I would do my shooting and then make sure that I did my runs. And do extra. So I'd always be fitter than anybody else. I used to come back pre season. I used to do two weeks before we come back. So I'd hit the ground running. No one else was, everyone else was struggling. So always be on top to be fitter than anybody else. Because you know, you're playing against centre arse who are 12, 13 stone. And I'm like 11 and a half, 11 stone. I think it was 11, 4 when I finished. Um, But I came in, I think it was a 10, 4. I put a stone on in seven years. But obviously muscle. But I just prided myself on being fitter than anyone. I knew I weren't, you know, I could smash anybody at, at, at press-ups and sit-ups. No one could live with this. But it, it, the, just the way I played, it looked, I probably didn't look, I, looked, you know, the, I think in the chessfield book, it says idle or idle. <laughs> you know, so just obviously the spelling.
0: Despite playing in a struggling team, he's left the likes of Gary Lineker, John Barnes and Steve Bull far behind. He's thoroughly enjoying himself.
1: It was really good. Um, obviously, you know, you want to play as well as you can and score as many goals, and to be uh, topping the whole of the Britain, um, it's tremendous, yeah.
0: It didn't start quite so tremendously. After two minutes of his Halifax debut in October, he missed the target from about 10 feet. Since then, he's been on the up and up, from a Carlisle United reserve to a star in six
1: months. And when, when we play, when, we, when I got my golden boot and then Shoot wanted to do an article and... Uh, uh four four two I think the pro magazine was and something else and they're asking me what boots do you wear? I says, well I got given sponsored boots from the club and they were just mitre, I think they were and everyone got the same. I says and then when they run out the club gave me 15 quid to go and buy a new pair of boots and I got some off the market in Halifax <laughs> there and I paid a tenner for the for the studs and five pounds for the moldings. You two and, and they were the cheapest pair of Pumas you could come across, you know, practically plastic. And I'm top goal scorer in the football league and I'm having to do that. <laughs> and then, and they said, oh, we can't put that. They put down, oh, he wears um, Puma, uh, Puma Kings and Copa Mondiales, you know. And then, and I drove a, I think it was five or six year old Astra GTE. And uh, they'd say, oh, we can't do that. Put down a brand new car. I said, well, you just lying? And this is what it is. they didn't want to show you of being someone who was who was battling through all the hardest conditions to try and be something that they all think, you know, everyone all you now, these footballers now I think the minimum wage is about thirty or forty grand when they get first year pro. I never earned that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like most of the players I've spoken to, you know, they've they've had careers where they've they've not been able to retire on uh, you know and not do anything for the rest of life we've all had to go into uh, other yeah, professions yeah. or things because I mean really you're, you're really lucky to play obviously play football and uh, and I think everyone uh, kind of appreciates how lucky they were to play football but it's by no means the the golden ticket to put no. your feet up for the rest of your life is it
1: you have to make a lot of sacrifices just to get there for you know staying in not drinking you know hardly touched a drink really. Until I, you know, retired, I used to have the odd night, you know, after a game you know, in the club, we'd have a few drinks with Norton Lee and that. But um, but very rarely, and it's only when I retired that I, you know, have a drink now. Whereas before, I, I never used to. The odd time in the hours, the night before the game, I might have two or three beers, bottles of beers play out your skin, and think, oh, next week I'll do the same. Then you then you were crap, you know. Then the next week, you, you know, so you sort of not do it with a the beer, and then you play great without it. Then the following week you play crap because our standards, you'd have one good game, two average and a, and a poor game.
0: Mm. And one thing I wanted to ask as a goal scorer yourself
1: yeah. is do
0: football fans appreciate goal scorers enough? Because there's been there's been Chesterfield players down the years, even recently. I'm thinking we've had people like Leon Clark uh, and, and Christian Dennis and people like that that have played for Chesterfield and scored quite a lot of goals. And yet they've always been like, oh, well, they're a bit lazy or they don't run enough or they're not tracking back. or And and sometimes you think, but they're scoring loads of goals. So like, what's what's the problem?
1: I always used to look at your job was scoring goals as a striker. That was it. And if you scored your goal, you've done your job (laughs) and it's the hardest job in the world. I don't care who you are, what level you pay, even if it's Sunday league and if you're scoring 30, 40 goals a season, it's still really good. Um, but some players, you know, some players might score goals, but they're not the most gifted or they might not have that finesse where they can run through or, or that ability to go past people. And, and fans, I remember when we were here, and we started trying to play a bit of football. You so just, and hear the fans, get it in, bloody box. You know, that's all you could hear um, all the time. But then obviously you pick the ball up and you beat a couple and score. Then they, they used to love it. Um, but, you know, like Big Andy took a bit of... Um, uh, a bit of crap at times and a few others, but it's they pay their money um, you know, look, I, I got it at Carlisle um, but it weren't it, it was nasty more than anything there whereas they were just frustrated here uh, really uh, but it must be horrible if you if you are on the, on the end of it all the time because a lot of players now have played better with no fans in the ground because they're not getting echoed at um you know, and I remember Trevor Ebert, he used to get slaughtered by fans in the in the cop end and that. they always having a go in. I remember we had a corner and we went in and Kev, he stood on the edge of the box and some bloke shouts out the crowd, Ebert, I wish you F off back to Jurassic Park. <laughs> he shouted. Poor old Trevor, he goes, I bloody need that. But you know, when you weren't in the in the in the team, you didn't you realize how good he was, you know. You don't play with blooming I mean, Southampton with England internationals and play at Derby. Um, he was a quality player. He could he could best, but because he, he did all that stuff that people don't like doing, stopping the play, giving it to people who could play. He, he was underrated, really, but a lovely fellow as well. Really nice guy.
0: What was a uh, what was a typical what was a typical goal for you? What do you think the majority of your goals were? Was it uh, kind of beating the offside trap? Round in the keeper. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got quite a few on on. Um, uh, well, my lad's going to put all my goals get them put onto a USB. Is it thing it is? Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them are that old back. They're on videotapes. <clears throat> you know, from his Scarborough days. Um, he's supposed to be. He's going to do that when he next down. I'll give him what, everything I've got. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of mine. I didn't score many from outside the box. Um, I might have started outside the box and then went through and then scored. But I used to just side foot him in because you didn't have to. I watched Jimmy Greaves and he didn't, you didn't see him hit the ball. As long as you get one-on-one the keeper, you only have to put it either side. It's just having that confidence. And I used to say to people, why panic in the box? It's the safest place in the world. They can't touch you when you're in the box. And when I just get the ball I take a touch dummy to shoot, drop me shoulder, they commit themselves, just knock it aside, and then the keeper's there, and then you just put it there, or there, and it's a goal, that's how I used to look at it, was a lot of players, even now, you look at these top players, as soon as you get in that box, it's like a cat on a hot tin roof, they panic at it, and then they'll slash at it, you know, and I think, why, you look at Jimmy Greaves, Romario, Fowler, they used to just get it, and just side foot it in, and then you look at, uh, like Ian Rush and, and uh, Lineker and, um, uh, what's his name, um, Liverpool, uh, Michael Owen, you know, they were relying on pace. And then when they used to go, you'd see them slash at stuff and it'd bobble in the corner or they, you know, it was all... And when that pace went, their game hmm. went as well. Whereas you looked at Fowler, he'd, he'd get it go, Jimmy Green did, Amara they were, and like even Mickey Quinn, who used to be at Newcastle and Coventry, great, mix, he was a great finisher as well. So I always look to players like that who, who, could, who could just you know side for to me. And you don't have to eat him And you see so many kids who get through and they just put their head down and blast it. Well, if a keeper's coming out and you're you're shaping up, he's gotta plant his feet. As soon as he plants his feet, you pass it past him, he can't get there or there. I don't care how, how quick he is, he ain't gonna do it. But when you give it a, and you hit it full on and it's coming at pace, they you have to just get a slight touch to that and it, it's gone. It's out. there. But after these players, I don't know if people don't coach them. You know, if I went up here, because Paul Lemon, I played golf with him, um what Was it, three or four months ago? We played at uh, Grassmore. It was for Chesterfield in the community or something. <laughs> and we went up and played and he was saying, he said, you can't, you can't um, tell these kids off. You can't have a go at them. Like, we used to get cups of tea thrown at you. They'd grab you around the throat, put you up against the wall. You know, we played, um, I was at Scarborough with Neil Warnock and we were top, at, well, we were second and crew were top. And we come in at half time and we're one nil down. And he walks in, he picks his tea up and he goes, My boys, and he goes woof, and he launches it up against the wall. And it goes all over your suits, and that were all down like that thing. Jesus. So he rips into Kevin Brackwell, he misses Craig Short out, he rips into Steve Richards. Day uh, and Ian Benny was missing him out. He rips into Mitch Cook, Gary Brooke, and he gets to me, misses me out, and dead does a few others, and then he's effing and blinded, and then he goes and he turns around, he kicks the uh, uh the physio's bag and he goes and Dave who was our physio he goes you best have a look at me toe I think I broke it, it was a weight shoe in there where that he's booted that so he's gone go go the rest of you go in the shower and get a wash so gone in he comes up blind in he puts his arm around me and he goes show me why I spent 50 grand on you show me why I'm a good manager like that. So that used to make me go like that. That made me go and then all the ones he slaughtered that made them all go like that. So anyway we go out, we come in. I think we win three or four one. And he walked in, he got his tea and everyone started crouching like that. And he went, my boys, he put his tea down. He goes, I gave you one day off last week. Best make it two. See you Tuesday and just walked out. That's how good he was, man management. But he, he was brilliant. He was the best manager, man manager I've ever played for.
0: So so did you have a, did you have a favourite goal then throughout your whole career? Uh, whew, um putting you on the spot a bit. Oh.
1: Favourite goal. Uh I scored quite a few when I've picked up and beat cut the two or three defenders and, and I've scored. Um there's a good one against Crew when Mark Williams was playing against him, Dean Spink. And uh, I remember beating them once, twice, beating them again, and then sat the goalie down and just tapped it in. And all I could hear behind me was shoot, 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 (laughs) like that. Oh, lads, um, obviously the Liverpool goal, um, scoring that that's a you know a a highlight goal because obviously the occasion, um, but I, I, yeah, I scored some good goals, one for Carlisle, I scored a great goal against them when it, it came. Over and I sort of dragged it down. And I sat the, the lad down, sat the goalie down, rolled it in. I've got quite a few of them type of them type of goals. Um, I chipped uh, Mervyn Day here, um, and I remember on the on the video I used to get the video, the goals after you know after if i scored, and uh, the commentator. I've done the one two. And I think it weren't supposed to come back to me. It was supposed to come back to somebody else. And I took it and just took a step. I chipped Mervyn Day, and he sort of just jumped and went like that, saying it's over. And obviously he was off, further off his line than he thought. He just dropped in, and I remember the commentary to go, "He's done Marvin Day. I think he's done the crowd. They'll have to pay to get back in and something like that," which was which I thought was funny. But yeah, um, yeah, I've, yeah. I I've scored some. I scored some tremendous goals, really. When I look back, but it's hard to put your finger on probably one and there's nothing that jumps out um yeah nothing really I, I just said you, you'd probably have to say that the liverpool goal was the occasion um really because you build yourself up for them games you know you, you, as soon as you get the draw you're building yourself up and that and sometimes it can be a, a proper letdown um because you don't you don't you don't turn it on on the day or you you, you just don't happen for some reason But that night we were all g'd up and from the first whistle we tried closing them down keep their heads down so they couldn't see a pass um yeah and it was a it was a a great occasion